Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, you've waited all year for it's time for the Spooky Jam. This year, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to be giving you a double feature. That's right. We've got the Spooky Monster Mash first, where we're going to be creating a panoply of villains and monsters that we are going to then insert into the following horror jam which is going to be next week's episode so i for one am very excited to make these iconic monsters and see how the monster mash kind of treats us hopefully we get an appropriate monster this time uh and not something silly or awful Oh, God, this could be really bad if we get something awful. Anyway, uh, before we get into that, of course, I want to remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on YouTube, where you can go and smash all the buttons that you want, including subscribe, and there's a bell or something like that. I don't know. You can also follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or if you'd rather converse with us more directly, you can go to our Discord where we chat about all sorts of fun stuff, including world building and not world building. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon and give us money where you get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like patron-only episodes. That's called the Aphid Lounge, by the way. If you've ever seen a preview, that's what that is. Or you can uh, get access to our patron-only Discord. You get two episodes instead of one for your prompts. And there's the Too Hot for Broadcast, which is stuff that basically hits the cutting room floor because of various reasons. A bunch of really weird and different reasons sometimes. But... That's if you want to go and give us money on Patreon. If you've ever felt the need, hey, thank you so much for all your support. And with all that out the way, let's dive right into our Monster Mash. It's now the mash. Courtney, I'm assuming that you're going to play the proprietary music of the Monster Mash right here. Also, how, co- how is that not public domain at this point? I am a chocolate <laughs> public domain by now. Give it another 200 years. No, no, it's it's not Disney. It's it's like it's only hundred and something, right? Because we just got like Winnie the Pooh just became. I mean, domain, their know? their lovely behavior has made the the same rules for everyone now. Uh, yeah, I know that it's it's pretty dog shit, but mm-hmm. we're not here to talk about copyright law, Daniel. We're here to make monsters, and on copyright monsters, <laughs> no, Trade, no trademark he's... monsters. <laughs> Mm, that might be more accurate, actually. Yeah, with perhaps. the with the serials yeah. filed off. Uh, no, well, no, because we have, we keep we keep those files. I think you know what I mean. Um, but they're they're our monsters. It's okay. Anyway, we got we got some monsters to roll into. So let's figure out what the focus of this spooky monster jam is going to be. And our monster for this particular monster mash is oh baby i think i'm not sure if this is one is mine but i'm very happy that we're doing this one because it's a notorious boss monster it has roots all over the place and 
it is rife for all sorts of repainting and oh boy it is the lich one of my favorites i am so excited we get to do the lich for the monster mash my kind well to be fair <laughs> i feel like you're more of a mummy but you know that's cousins funny, you know? yeah yes yeah fair absolutely fair yeah so yeah Oh man, we've got the lich. I'm fucking stoked about this one. Now we've got to see what kind of uh what kind of stuff we're gonna put the lich through. So let's take a look, roll some more genres and focuses foci, I guess. Anyway, let's see what genre of lich we're dealing with now. Oh boy. All right. So first of all, we got a space opera lich. Mm. which uh yeah that's gonna be an interesting one i think but i mean now i'm now i'm just really curious to see how we do a space lich and then turn it into a space horror movie next time that's gonna be fun as hell actually i'm I'm very looking i don't think we've ever seen i mean i don't think i can think of a lich in space i don't think i've seen that before which is kind of cool gideon the ninth the locked tomb series oh yeah all about Um, necromancers serving basically like a I would probably cool. argue that the Necrons from Warhammer 40k. Oh, are true. Close yeah, to I can see that too. Well. Yeah. Is the Gideon one more like fantasy sci-fi? Like, is it more like um because I, I never I had the book and I didn't actually read it. Um yeah, it's my, um, you know what I mean? Like, is it is it more like um less a hard sci-fi and more fantasy one? Yeah, yes. I would say sci-fantasy okay. for that one. Yeah. I would I would agree with that as well. Yeah. Uh, guys, we've got a theme that we've got to focus oh, on yeah. here as well. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's cool. We are, we're, we're very excited about liches, and that's totally justifiable. So the theme that we're focusing on for this particular lich is... Oh, interesting. Okay, we've got love for our theme here. Mm. And the focus for this one is going to be... A very important place. So, Courtney, kick us off here. What are you thinking? We've got space opera. We've got lich. We've got love. And we've got a very important place. I don't know why my brain initially goes to the Phantom of the Opera, talking about, like, the catacombs and, like, the underground. Hell, Mm -hmm. the opera itself is a very important place in that movie. Maybe this is what my brain is doing. But... What do you think, Courtney? Get kick, kick us off this time with the jam. Yeah, I think this pretty much is uh, Gideon the Ninth, given the theme of love and all that. But um, no, I'm thinking like if we can bring in space by having the phylacteries be like split apart on different planets or like just set apart at really vast distances. Mm. Sure. And I don't know if the focus would be like on the lich as a as a hero figure or if that's going to be our villain here um Mm. obviously we do want to make it extra spooky given that it's a spooky season and all that is correct yeah yeah Yeah. so i would imagine that at most we can have the lich be like a tragic villain you know or like a very sympathetic villain but i'm imagining that there is some kind of villainous nature to the lich although that's not necessarily true that's not inherently true it makes me think like perhaps we should um that's something we should flip like because mm-hmm. the lich is usually super evil and has achieved its state through some evil means mm. um so i wonder if like the lich is heroic in this sense in some way 
And I also wonder, like my, when you when I mentioned love, it makes me think that it's circumstances or the situation for it has to do with um, something that it had loved or lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hear me out on this one. The phylactery is some kind of radio communication device to a dead loved one that it can still talk to somehow. So like there's like either a radio in its chest or it's able to follow some kind of wavelength thing or I I don't know why, but I think the idea that it is if we're making this a tragic hero or some kind of monstrous hero and we have love as the theme, I feel like there should be some kind of tragic space nonsense happening with a dead loved one. Right. It makes us also think perhaps time has a factor here because if we're talking Mm -hmm. about large distances that comes into play. And, you know, Mm -hmm. time and love tends to be a pairing that works well. Mm -hmm. I don't mean time travel, but I mean, like, um, those those distances meaning something important. Right. Yeah. Gulfs of time. Right. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like going back to my idea about like phylacteries being split up across different planets and different Mm -hmm. areas of the universe. Like maybe it has something to do with those are the places that this lich traveled with their loved one over the course mm. of their life and like has such strong memories that that like psychic resonance created these phylacteries or something like that. And maybe um, they can mm-hmm. like still communicate with their loved one when they go to these different places. Interesting. So they're like anchors. Yeah. Yeah. That That is actually really interesting. I, I like that idea that, the lich is effectively just touring the galaxy because that's what they did in life with their mm-hmm. loved one. Right. So, okay. One thing that we do have to kind of square, I think, because in my mind, we could do a space lich pretty easily if we just have it be like a consciousness that gets downloaded into sleeves of like new humans, kind of like altered carbon or something like that, or uh, eclipse phase. Right. However, what about this lich is undead, right? Like, I know that the body sleeve thing is one way to kind of circumvent that. Like you get around the phylactery, the need of the phylactery, but I think that there should be some element of necromancy, element of undeadness when we're talking about this in some way. Oh yeah. I have no desire to do body sleeves. (laughs) I definitely want like some sort of undead thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was thinking like uh, what it has to do with like this person went into or went very close to a black hole and got oh, really fucked up from that like died but not really and that's why they're still alive and that's why they've been preserved in this really unnatural way mm. yeah I, I totally love that because <laughs> yeah. i love black holes although yeah. i, I want to for both of you i want us to first assess what liches mean because i think that's important yeah. in deconstructing it yeah yeah um and like my feelings about liches is that one, it has something to do with the desire for immortality, right? Because mm-hmm. these liches are separating their souls from their bodies so they can live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a desire for immortality suggests to me a number of things like either FOMO on a cosmic scale, a longing for something you can't have, a forbiddenness, mm-hmm. right? And when the lich does this, there's there's a great price, right? That, mm-hmm. that I think gets rid of their humanity. And as a consequence of that, they end up getting not exactly what they intended, right? Because you mm-hmm. end up in the semi, you know, semi-living state, the undead state. Mm-hmm. So I think those are all thematic things to consider mm-hmm. when we're building the ledge. 
if if we're stripping down the lich to its barest component parts, to me, the lich is more represented by there is a a being whose soul is trapped into a physical object. And by trapped, I mean, maybe they put it there. Maybe it was literally trapped there. And they are resurrected physically through their soul being in that phylactery, right? I'm stripping it away from like the magical elements. Like, yes, there's immortality involved, but that is to the barest part that I can consider that is what a lich is. Yeah, like mechanically. What I what I mean is like thematically, right? So like mm-hmm. the reasons why you do that has something to do with, you know, like wanting either to live forever or ah, get something you can't okay. have. That's what I'm, so I wonder like if whatever mechanically we do, it has to touch on that. Just like with the werewolf, there's this mm. aspect of uncontrollable transformation. And what does that mm-hmm. mean? Sure. I think it means something like being afraid of, what you're capable of maybe but that's like a different monster you know right so thematically the lich i I think uh represents ambition yeah it represents Mm -hmm. the desire Mm -hmm. to go beyond your current capabilities or current limits right Mm -hmm. because immortality is i I feel like in many cases is just kind of a consequence it's not necessarily the goal it means to an end right exactly you need to do that to accomplish something yeah exactly exactly Right. right And so, you know, like that is just kind of consequential. Like, okay, whatever, right. who cares? You know, because I mean, it could be the love in this situation. Like, because what Corey's suggesting so far, black holes, mm-hmm. large okay. distances mm-hmm. have to do with time and living okay. forever. Yeah, be with that. You know, I, I, I think yeah. I have it. Okay, how about this lich figure? Right, is hurled so far away from the universe or so far away from their loved one, and then they are robbed of their faster than light travel, and so they can travel conventionally but the distance that they have to travel will take so long that it's going to be like hundreds if not thousands of years before they're able to return back you know if they're able to get back at all you know my thought was um going to the black hole idea was like if the loved one was sucked into a black hole and something happened to impact this lich figure so that they're still alive longer than they should be. And they're still, they're like trying to get into the black hole and like communicate with them again, like save them from it, even though it's probably not possible. Um, Mm. And maybe like that happened initially because of research that they were doing together. Right. That was sort of like, to go into the ambition aspect of like, they were trying to tame something that cannot be used. Mm-hmm. And if we're looking at black hole mechanics, like one thing to consider too, which is to your point, is when you get past um, like the event horizon, mm-hmm. the entire life cycle of the universe occurs from yeah. your perspective. And then, and then the person observing, the person falling in, they never truly see them fall in because I think because of the, the red shifting. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect that the the lich would see them as never truly passing the event horizon, but then also the person oh, wow. on the other side has experienced the entire death of the universe as they fall into the black hole. Oh, damn. And, okay, and then this kind of goes and can build back into what I was talking about previously, where there's an open line of communication that keeps them going. And they might just be hearing, like, echoes or, like, faint remnants of a conversation that this person fell into a black hole and had a lifetime to talk into this thing as they're dying infinitely or, like, is she in the phylactery then? Because I say she mm-hmm. is the beloved the phylactery. Because think about it: if if let's say there was a connection between them, this is similar to what you were saying, Rob, about traveling. Maybe there's some connection between them and her falling in 
um, and it's being bound to her is what creates their lich state because now yeah. the phylactery is in a very protected place and perhaps the lich wants to oh, get yeah. a hold of it. But the fact that it's, you know, beyond the world in beyond the event horizon, the, the lich's true its soul is what mm-hmm. disempowers it or makes it what it is. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And like maybe this person, this lich in like the, not in the black hole is like, they could be trying to save their loved one, but at this point they could also just be trying to die because they've been mm-hmm. alive and like feeling this torture for so long. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to lose mm-hmm. sight of your worlds thing either. Like maybe they were depositing mm-hmm. something all the way to get to this black hole. Cause you were mm-hmm. saying they were depositing mm-hmm. multiple phylacteries. So maybe we need to reconnect somehow those other pieces of the lich's self with it. I don't know mm-hmm. how. Oh, maybe Rob to, to bring in your idea of like the, the vast distances and having to travel and like navigate your way around. Like maybe they had um, when they were both together, like traveled using wormholes and that contains some of whatever's keeping him alive. Um, And when the loved one went into the black hole, something happened to the wormholes where they like closed or Hmm. they aren't really an effective method of fast travel anymore. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they don't go where they're supposed to go. Like something changed in them. Um, So that's part of why this, which is like roaming around trying to figure out where anything is. Okay. I'm liking all of these elements that we're creating here. So, so how do we make this scary? Like it's mm-hmm. existential, right? Like it's extremely scary in an existential sense that you're yeah. an eternal nomad who just wishes for death. Right. But if we were to toss this figure into another scenario, well, actually, you know what? That could still work because then they're the hero in a horrifying situation. So maybe the horror mm-hmm. that we're kind of evoking here is the horror experienced by the lich figure as they attempt to get back and either seek death or seek their partner. I mean, to answer your question, I wonder if it's um, if we're, we're walking the sunshine event horizon line. Right. So to invert what Courtney was saying about wormholes, the lich's desires to get to its phylactery, which is beyond an impossible place, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's past the event horizon. If it goes past the event horizon, it will be destroyed because you'll be spaghettified and destroyed the singularity. Right. So, so <laughs> I mean, so this is an actual term with black holes. So, <laughs> I, just, I just love the word spaghettified. <laughs> right, right. I, I, just, I love that, yeah. So maybe the seeking of the wormholes or whatever is on these planets is a means of finding a way past the event horizon because wormholes would mm-hmm. be one way to reach a space without going through the event horizon, right? And they're on these other worlds and it has to travel these great distances and find these things, right? Whatever they are. Um, Then I could imagine the Lich needing resources to do that Mm -hmm. and a crew. And it's haunted by whatever horrors it's seen beyond the event horizon, like the movie. And (laughs) those horrors could bleed into those around it. Then people may not know that it's a Lich. It may be ruthless and willing to do anything to get access to these Mm -hmm. doorways. And who knows if some of the doorways go to the wrong place and they're horrific, you know, yeah. and the okay. true doorway it's seeking, you know, until it finds that true doorway, it's willing to sacrifice anyone. Yeah. All right. Hear, could... hear me out. Incidental harbinger. It cannot help what it brings into the universe as it traverses. It just so happens to bring like all this horrifying warped, like black hole nonsense as it traverses with it. So on the outside, it is this absolutely horrifying thing, but to it, it is simply trying to get back. Yeah. 
fuck, that's pretty cool. Or I was going to say possibly the opposite, where like it's been alive for so long that it's sort of lost sight of humanity in a way. And it's like it's actively tearing open wormholes in the universe to try to get where it wants to go. And in doing that, like it's creating these rifts that can devour worlds or can severely harm people or bring things that shouldn't be in this universe into the universe and so mm. on. Well, is it turning wormholes into black holes? Because wormholes connect two points in space, right? Black yeah, holes, right. I'm not really sure what the fuck they do. They seem to be like <laughs> insane indents in space that some theorize open up into other universes if it's mm. a ring-shaped singularity. So perhaps like it's if it, if it can collapse these wormholes into something else maybe that's a way of finding a way to the black hole i don't know yeah or maybe it's like tearing open portals in an attempt to forcibly collapse it into a black hole or something yeah like that. that's what i mean yeah. oh yeah. yeah you mean making oh making like yeah. holes oh yeah so he's not wormholes he's, he's creating these collapses creating yeah. black holes yeah exactly or trying to collapse reality as it were yeah yeah, yeah. and honestly like a lone figure that is capable of like tearing worlds because remember this is a space opera right mm-hmm. so it's we're talking vast swaths of empire and like alien races and stuff like that but there's a lone figure who's just like on a path and creating like astral devastation and its wake like i think that's a pretty cool concept that you can roll with mm-hmm. and it's appropriate to the scale of space opera as well mm-hmm. right and you can you can shrink it down when you're telling the story. You could pick one world, one such yeah. mm-hmm. where he tried to collapse stuff. Yeah, and follow like a group of adventurers trying to save their world and, by extension, their universe. Probably. You say adventurers, I say victims. You know, it's all it's potato potato. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I fucking love that. That's a great place where we should stop. And maybe pick that up next episode because we've still got two more monster mashes that we've got to get through, y'all. Forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've got one monster. We're going to put a pin in that. Boop. There we go. Now, our next lich. The genre for this lich is going to be... Oh, boy. We're getting... We're getting the really weird ones this time, and it's quite interesting. So our lich for this time is going to be settling in the weird west, which Mm. is a horror slash magic wild west setting. So I think that's going to be fun as hell to talk about. But let's let's continue to roll and see what we got. So the theme that we're dealing with this time is going to be. Secrets. We've got secrets, y'all. And then the focus that we've got is... Ooh, that 20. So that would make it... An organization or faction. So we've got the Weird West with a theme of secrets. The focus is an organization or faction. And a lich is somehow involved. So Daniel, what are your initial thoughts with a Weird West Perhaps cowboy lich? Let's let's figure it out. I'm picturing um some kind of transit organization, you know, maybe a train mm-hmm. organization, I don't know, transporting a box that has something lichish in it. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the lich's phylactery, and the person in charge of this organization, or perhaps someone in it, um, is aware that that's his phylactery. 
Mm-hmm. And there, therein lies the danger. Now, the weird West part—that's <laughs> that's up for grabs. But that's what I'm <laughs> seeing. For some reason, I'm seeing the transportation of the, the uh, phylactery being important in some old wooden box in a train mm-hmm. or some other a caravan, something. Okay, so I think that if we're dealing with the Wild West, the Weird West, I mean, the iconic thing besides a horse is going to be the train. Right. Like the connecting of America via trains is a little bit after the Wild West, but it signals the end of it. So I feel like having trains involved in some way or having this uh, lich be the leader of a railroad company might be an interesting way to kind of start us off here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like the Wild West speaks to a lot of, you know, a lot of things. And one of the things is this enterprising spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pioneering spirit. And I think the train like you said, cutting through the American West symbolizes that. Mm-hmm. What if they're trying to build a rail across some like particularly dangerous or weird area of the West? Ooh, like an like an ancient burial grounds? Like something like that, yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking about like what what is the identity of the West, right? What is what would you consider when we're thinking like what pushed people out to the West in the first place? It's gold rushes. And then later on, it's oil. And I'm thinking that if we have like an oil-based lich would be appropriate and also like a really interesting visual that we can kind of come up with as well. Weird. Yeah. Mix like there will be blood, like Daniel Plainview, and now give him immortality and he's even more ruthless than before. Like, I don't know why. I suddenly love that concept and i want to roll with it uh wh- what do you guys think i'm kind of picturing something more monstrous this time around like is this lich has has it been underground for a long time has it like soaked up oh. the oil is it basically like a, yeah. a tar pit lich kind of thing yeah that's that's exactly what i'm thinking okay, yeah, exactly okay. like the the daniel plainview character is the front it's the face to the lich organization, right? Like you have this ruthless person, but mm-hmm. behind them, like you look at it, you look at a character like Daniel Plainview and like, wow, that guy's an asshole. He's a monster. But in reality, he's the one holding back the real monster, which is this lich trapped in some ancient like oil pit or something like that. I think that there might be something to that. Like there's a monstrousness to that concept. Maybe there's more than one lich in this case, like perhaps yeah. the one that's being transported is being transported home and mm-hmm. it's in that box. Then it, maybe it's like, I don't know, some barrel of oil. Maybe it's not a box. And um, when it reaches the place where they're drilling, what they're really doing is he's trying to crack open the place where all the others are mm-hmm. so that they can be extracted. Oh, and perhaps like, you know, this oil creature is in fact like, a primal spirit that originally mm-hmm. controlled the land in, in, in the ancient pre-human time. And that lets us speak to like the tension between, you know, the, the kind of imperialist, early imperialist um, intentions of, of the West moving across the country versus mm-hmm. those who lived here before. I like that. Like the yeah. liches were like preserved in some ancient ceremony and maybe they were like supposed to slumber for you know, hundreds or thousands of years and they've recently awoken and have mm-hmm. to be like brought out. And like oh. maybe the maybe this like enterprising figure is um helping knowingly helping the lich because 
he wants some of that power too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or he is one. Maybe maybe there mm-hmm. are some that walk among us, but they're not as powerful, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay, so yes, the, the cracking of the earth has awakened the liches, right? Like that's what we're suggesting here, that it's yeah. the enterprising of that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're also kind of subverting the mummy a little bit here as well, where it's like mm-hmm. you're opening something forbidden. And in this case, yeah. it is like the blood of the earth, which is oil, mm-hmm. right? So we take that and then the the enterprising person, it's not that he's a servant. He's trying to figure out the ritual to turn himself into a lich. Oh, he wants to become one. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So maybe he knows about this society, but he's kept it secret because there's a promise of X, Y, Z. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, we go back to the theme of ambition, right? Like, how else can I accumulate wealth when I'm aging? And you can even make it an uh, aging businessman as well, right? So he must not know the full truth. That's the thing. Probably he not. knows, yeah. like, it'll give him immortality, maybe power, whatever, mm-hmm. through the oil, like the magic oil, but he doesn't know right. what they actually are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. He's he's become a baron. He's become a robber baron. And yet, what at the end of the day does that get him in the face of death, right? Like, maybe he's been, uh, maybe this is really spurred on by age, or maybe he's been diagnosed with a terminal disease. Yeah. Or something like that that's, like, pushing him into lichdom where he's, like, I guess I've got to turn to black magic now, right? Like this is my only chance at survival. And when we do this, it doesn't make him any less despicable as a person, right? Like it's just that the lichdom is an extension of his already monstrous qualities, right? Yeah, I'm picturing him as like a not too old, but yeah, diagnosed with something recently, like has these periods where he'll just like hack up blood, which is Mm -hmm. an interesting like Mm -hmm. visual juxtaposition with the, the oil right exactly yeah, thank yeah. you I, i'm like i was like waiting patiently to shout that yes absolutely yeah oh man this is all coming together i fucking love this shit so fucking much and then okay i'm also thinking that like if the ritual is successful there is a moment cinematically that happens where he is effectively ignited right in oil mm-hmm. but at this point his body is like a lich so he like his skin like sloughs off and all that is left is a burning black skeleton that is like still oozing with yes. oil in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, like that is a fucking Wild West villain in it. Well, a Weird West villain at that. You know what I mean? Like you'd be fucking terrified of that shit. And then if we make oil the phylactery, like you're not killing that fucking lich. Right. At best, you're able to like put him to sleep for a while i mean you've got to burn all the oil away which is like destroying your own money and that's the power of it you have to destroy all this gold you know right or or perhaps it's a matter of like well we're just going to have to get good at stopping this lich because we all know we're not getting rid of all the oil you know like there's that kind of like tension that exists inherently within that like oh this thing exists in a naturally occurring thing we're never going to be able to fix it we're fucked. You know, like there, there's that horror in that as well. It's kind of like fear of the light. <laughs> oh yeah. At least yeah. my, my run of are. I, oh man, this could uh-huh. easily fit into fear of the light, like easily fit into it. No problem. Um, fear of the light, by the way, if you're not familiar with that is, that is a series that we did with our friend CR Rowenson, one Mr. Clark a while ago. That was one of our first weird West settings, but yeah, that is a good one. Honestly, y'all, I know that we didn't spend nearly as much time with this, but I feel like everything kind of clicked so easily. I'm ready to dive into that third one right away. 
Where do y'all fit? Do we want to talk about this a little bit more? Do we need to answer any more questions? What are we thinking? Uh, I just like the potential choice that if you run this as like an RPG, the party would have in terms of, are you going to just try to deal with the lich over time and like Mm -hmm. continue profiting off the oil? Are you going to attempt to save the day by lighting up your oil fields? Mm -hmm. And then the really cool visuals that come about from that, like these, I mean, they happen in real life too, where there are certain spots on the earth that are just permanently on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Because of flammable stuff that just won't burn fast enough. I'm also thinking like, if you do this as a sequel, like your family has to reckon with your own greed or your original character's greed or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know, like there, there's like really cool thematic elements that you can build into that as well. Or if you want to make it like heart wrenching, then just like, I need this oil money to save my family or to save, you know, like if it's an indigenous person, like, Hey, this is one way that I can actually uh, make sure that we're not relegated to the reservation and genocide and extinction. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many ways that you can play this that are like morally difficult and also really fucking amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm way into this idea. I do like the idea of having a party that starts initially all with different interests rooted in greed, right? Like you're saying, but then part of the struggle um, narratively is for them all to come to terms to realize that they have something in common that's more important than that. And so they have to sacrifice those things in order to defeat this greater problem, you know? Oh Mm -hmm. man, this is fucking great. I'm loving this so goddamn much. I absolutely love this shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we got to move on. We got to move. We got we got one more monster. I'm really excited, overly excited, actually. I got to calm down just a little bit. Let's roll some dice and hope that I can get there. Guys, liches are cool. I, I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> liches as a villain, as a monster, are so goddamn cool. I'm so happy we got lich on this one. Okay. Anyway, and the genre for this lich is going to be... We, okay, we've got like a cousin to the Weird West, which is steampunk. Mm. I feel like there's some there's some interesting stuff that we can go there. So let's start there. The theme that we're going to be working with is growth and expansion. And the focus of this particular scenario is going to be a villain. Well... I feel like that's a pretty easy one considering we're doing a monster mash with a lich. Um, So we've got steampunk, we've got a villain, we've got growth and expansion. So one of my favorite settings or, or a very, very cool setting that I, that I really loved back when I read it is the iron kingdoms setting. It is effectively what if mechs and fantasy, right? There is an age of steampunk where you also have, magic people who control mechs that just tear shit up, right? But that's not what I'm going for. What I'm interested in is the idea that they had a a monster type called the Iron Lich, which was this like semi-robotic, like like it billowed like black smoke out of these like exhaust and all this really interesting stuff. And in my head, when I'm thinking steampunk and I'm thinking Lich, I can't help but imagine that there's going to be some kind of like, it's it's way less fleshy than the previous two that we've dealt with. This is far more mechanical. It's mm-hmm. far less human in shape 
and perhaps design than the other liches. Um, but there's one thing that I'm kind of interested in as well, because the lich, right? There's the concept of the lich, and oftentimes there is this association with the lich being a purely magic based user, right? I think it'd be really interesting if we could subvert that a little bit and maybe talk about a lich who is perhaps maybe just like a barbarian or a fighter or something like that. And they're resurrected constantly. I don't know. I, I'm I'm tossing out multiple ideas here, but I want to hear from y'all. What do you think? We've got a steampunk lich with growth and expansion and a focus on a villain. What are we thinking? Honestly, the first thing that came to mind would be like a, a steampunk version of Adam Smasher. Just like uh -huh. a, a person who's been like they start as human, but over time they've gradually either themselves or other people have worked to replace their human parts with mm. mechanical ones. And mm. I assume that at the point of where we're going to get into the story, they're like, it's a sliver of humanness left in them, like their brain and a couple organs or something. Right. What's Adam Smasher? I was, I was just going to say that Daniel. Yeah. So for the listeners who don't know, Adam Smasher is from the cyberpunk world, who is a cyber psycho, basically someone who's been stripped of all their human parts and replaced with nothing but robot parts. And he's also just a fucking menace. He, I, have you watched the anime, Courtney, the, the uh, Edge Runners anime? No, I only watched like the first two episodes. Okay. Okay. Um, spoilers, Adam Smasher is in that anime and goddamn mm -hmm. is he awesome in that fucking anime. <laughs> um but anyway, that yeah, that that's Adam Smasher. I I could definitely see that for sure. I like the notion of um some kind of mad scientist. Like that was my first thought too. Um, yeah. Or someone like in your saying, in this case, someone experimenting. It sounds like on themselves, and I think that fits in with what you were saying, Rob. Although I do think it's interesting that you wanted that the idea of the lich not being um, magically focused. So that's kind of mm -hmm. cool. So then it makes me wonder, like I don't know what the deal is with this Adam Smasher character, but it's like maybe they're not a scientist insofar as they're like someone who doesn't make their decisions based on like, you know, mm. smarts. So mm. how could we do that? That's the question. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I've got an idea about that. So we're talking about steampunk, right? Which typically in my brain says that there's going to be a lot of automata, right? There's a lot of like brass colored robots and like if effectively mechanical golems, right? That's where my brain typically goes. What happens if we create this kind of rage brute, right? This kind of like spirit that is so furious at its own existence or furious in some other way that when it dies, right? When it's, when his body is smashed apart, it will lie dormant for a while and then find another golem that's being created and it will infect or possess that particular thing. Mm -hmm. And so you get this recursion element where, you know, you have the phylactery, but then you take away the kind of intelligence that is usually associated with the liches to the point where it's just like this undying rage spirit or something like that. Does that mean the um, person who commands it, they have to like uh, call the spirit into the machine and that's that's part of their lichdom? Oh, so it's like a summoning ritual almost? Is that what you mean? It sounds like you're saying there's this rage spirit that when destroyed seeks out a new golem, right? So then... I could imagine someone wanting to control this monstrosity. And so mm -hmm. they, 
they build a golem with the intent of bringing it on board but i imagine there's some sacrifice for doing that on their part that maybe they're not fully in control of themselves anymore because the rage golem links itself to the person who creates yes oh my god daniel yes no 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 we've effectively created pumpkin head right like yeah so pumpkin head is like uh an 80s movie it's got lance red lance reddick no uh who's the guy no lance reddick's not even close lance henriksen the guy from jaws you know who i'm talking about right i don't know any actors of any kind okay (laughs) i forgot who i was talking to yes it's lance henriksen from jaws and also he's in pumpkin head basically very briefly he is this southern guy and a bunch of teenagers accidentally kill his son in a motorcycle accident and he goes to the witch in the swamp and says they killed my my son i need like something to make them pay and as a result he summons pumpkin head he is like linked with pumpkin head right so the spirit of vengeance is created and he experiences certain things through pumpkin head's visage and he experiences the pain of pumpkin head all that stuff and it's a monster in that one but I don't understand why we can't just do the same with like golems and stuff like this in this particular thing where, you know, it's the spirit of this particular being. It's not just an elemental force. I would like some intelligence to it, but I think that what we've got there is like, you could absolutely do something like that, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a sophisticated robot. It could really just be like, something really basic and it's going to possess it and create something more powerful as a result. But I think that that's a really cool concept that we can roll with. I'm a little confused because I thought we were not going to do magic, but the talk of like a spirit, a rage spirit that inhabits stuff makes me definitely think that it's magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why weren't we doing magic? Oh, I thought you said that you didn't want magic involved before. Oh, I, I was saying the, the Lich is normally a magic user. So it's like hurling fireballs and curses and stuff like that. Like I was, oh, okay. yeah, I was mostly interested in the idea that the Lich is like a more mundane or more like melee focused or perhaps just like a less stereotypical like wizard. It does raise the question that well, you can have the person in charge of the Lich be Lich-like, but you also yeah. still have this monstrosity. Yeah, so who is who is the real lich here? Is it the is mm-hmm. it the machine or is it the man behind the machine? Sure. I mean, what you can what you can also do is if you wanted to make it complicated, is you can have it so the spirit of that person inhabits the next version of the the thing. So it's like I, I don't know. I think there's some interesting stuff that we got going on there. I like that, Daniel. And it could just be rhetorical, like um, yeah, because it depends on what story you want to tell. Like you, if if the stories following this crazy person who's like wants to build its machine for whatever reasons they have and they're willing to make all the sacrifices then the focus is on them and then they really are the lich and the monster is really incidental it's an extension of them Mm -hmm. if it's like somehow focused on the machine it's a different story to tell a weird one but perhaps then the rage spirit is more of a character you know i could see for example i'm thinking of like a movie where you have like this brutish demon and he's he has a personality and he has his own issues and problems mm-hmm. and he's being manipulated by this a wizard or something and so the story is really about him and his concerns and will this demon get free and with evil things it has to do at the behest of this wizard so now mm-hmm. you turn 
the wizard into the villain and the protagonist becomes the actual monster. So you could have that be the case with the rage machine. He keeps getting entrapped. Maybe it's like an ancient barbarian king that keeps getting entrapped in these machines, right? By this Mm -hmm. over time. And so it has a story to tell and you can, you know, forced, forced to do the bidding of the summoner. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious though. Like what is the goal of the summoner? Um, Cause I feel like I'll be able to connect more with the story. If like, I know what they're working towards. That's a good question. Or like, what do we want to set this in like a typical steampunk Victorian mm-hmm. kind of thing? Or do we want to go elsewhere with steampunk? Well, I think, I think what the, if, if we keep the monster as it is, right. As this kind of like a uh, forced servant to some kind of summoner or other power, you can take the basic concept of that monster and then place it into a number of different scenarios that like will tell a really interesting story based on who the summoner is. Is this, you know, like an orphan who is building a golem in an, in an attempt to wreak vengeance on someone? Or is it, you know, like a philanthropist who's building a golem to wreak havoc on his uh, business rivals, companies and stuff like that? I think that if we focus just on the monster itself, you can have it so it's more like a pastiche where you can tell an anthology's worth of stories through the eyes of this particular rage spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's like short stories and each short story is like someone comes upon these blueprints from this mad scientist from before. They build this machine. The barbarian is summoned to do their bidding and then, you know, like we start to see the interior life of this. So maybe it's told always through the interior life of the barbarian spirit, mm-hmm. like at each service he's been put through. And the person that summons them, you know, it's taxing to hear their story of the orphan who's bullied. He wants to kill the orphanage owner. Right. So he's mm-hmm. shackled into doing that. And then the next hundred years in the steampunk realm, he has to like wreck of a victorian dinner party because it's <laughs> this petty rivalry between yeah. business owners you know and so yeah. the barbarians like he just wants to be free it's a map onto his viking afterlife mm-hmm. but he's in the service forever of these petty like uh kind of namby-pamby victorian socialites in this particular mm-hmm. setting <laughs> yeah. yeah it kind of makes me think of frankenstein in a way in terms of like you have this yeah. uh, person who creates this monstrosity that maybe they don't always know how to control it fully and you may very well have like one of the stories could essentially be frankenstein where you have somebody who has no idea what they're doing and is Mm. scared shitless when they actually get to summon this creature and like that's maybe that's when it actually can gain freedom when it finally gets like a a master who just can't master it or or maybe they have a master who just wants to know its story, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how interesting would that be? If like, I'm here to interview you. This is why I've summoned you. <laughs> oh, it's like frame of the whole yeah. anthology. Oh, wait, yeah. You're so yeah. fucking right. Like that's yeah, like, the frame. Stories. That's uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's man, a great that's novel. Cool. That'll be a great novel because like you really mm-hmm. get to explore a clash of values and culture um, and a lot of primal feelings, right? Because yeah. this barbarian might be from, you know, some, uh, Babylonian time, but it shows mm-hmm. that we've had the same concerns as people since the beginning, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like somebody at some point mentioned like golem. So maybe it did originate with like a, a Jewish mystic who mm. created a golem literally out of clay. And like that was the first iteration of it. And ever since yeah. then, it's progressed oh, technologically yeah. and stuff. 
Yeah, you could you could do a lot that. with that. Oh mm. man, that's really good. Fuck. God damn it, guys. <laughs> Liches are so cool. You could do so much with it. They're so versatile. No wonder. Mm. God. Okay. Okay. We gotta stop. We could go forever. We could do an entire series on liches alone. In fact, I don't even want to take the liches off the monster mash because I want to do this again. <laughs> but, but for now, we're going to stop because on next week's episode, we're going to take these three monsters that we've made and we're going to jam them in to monster jams. Well, horror jams. But for now, I'm going to call them monster jams, I guess. But anyway. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. We're on social media, on YouTube, where you can go subscribe, do all the YouTube things. We're on Twitter, at Let's World Build, until Elon makes us pay for it, and then at that point, <laughs> we're just completely off, you know? Yeah. And... We're also on Discord, where realistically, if you want to come chat with us more directly, that's where we'll be. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon, where you can get access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies. So many that I've already talked about that I'm just going to skip it for now. You can go to our Patreon if you're curious. You know, if you've ever been like grateful or thankful for any of the ideas that we've given you, or if we just made you smile, you just give us some money as a thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. 